Welcome to Middle Age Can Be Your Best Age, the show designed to help make middle age your prime time of life by defying the notion that once you reach 40, 50, or even 60 years old, your crowning achievements are all behind you. Regardless of whether you're just approaching 40 or are firmly entrenched in your middle years, it's time to launch your very own personal journey toward a joyful and purpose-filled second half of life. Each week, host Roy Richards, an expert on midlife renewal and author of A Midlife Challenge, Wake Up, will discuss the challenges common to middle age and help guide you to a brighter tomorrow. Now, here's Roy. One thing for certain in this crazy 21st century, the name of the game is perpetual change and innovation. No matter how successful in the past, no business, nonprofit enterprise, or governmental entity will succeed going forward based solely on the products, methods, and organization structures that brought them excellence in the 1970s, the 1990s, even the early 2000s. And if you don't believe change is constant, ask yourself what happened to household names like Sears, Eastman Kodak, Xerox, or Borders Bookstores. The need to continually adapt and innovate applies to us as individuals as well. In 2017, tenure and a history of past accomplishments aren't what they used to be. There's always a tech-savvy 20-something or 30-something on the horizon. And worse yet, your boss may be 15 or 20 years younger than you. And guess what? He or she speaks the language and relates to fresh ideas uh, offered by that millennial who is after your promotion, maybe even your job. And from the present on down, folks in D.C. talk about growing the economy through innovation, but initiatives from the federal government don't necessarily meet with success. In the past several months, we've witnessed multiple business executives appointed to White House advisory councils on innovation quit, and other panels, including one on manufacturing and the creation of jobs, was disbanded. Does that mean that all is lost, at least for now, on using innovation to grow the economy? Indeed not, proclaims my next guest, Dr. Brett Trusco. In fact, he's here to explain why business leaders all over the country are doubling down on innovative techniques. Uh, they're tackling job creation, developing new products, and creating new opportunities for workers and consumers. And more importantly, he's here to suggest how you and I, as business leaders, formal and informal, can stimulate innovation in our places where we work, generate ideas for new and improved products, or find better ways of doing things. As he'll explain, innovation is an inside job. And Dr. Brett Trisco is founder, president, and CEO of the International Association of Innovation Professionals, a global nonprofit organization with 1,200 members in 64 countries. And it's the world's only innovation certification body, providing members with the knowledge, skills, and opportunities to deliver real change in their industry or field. He's a global leader and driver in innovation science, author of six books, including Amazon bestsellers on business topics, including innovation, quality, and process. He's also a frequent speaker on the global stage, and he's editor and co-author of the 2014 book, Global Innovation Science Handbook, a definitive compilation of material from more than 40 innovation experts and thought leaders. He's professor of innovation, big 
Data and Bioformatics at Texas A&M University, also on the faculty at NYU, Mount Sinai University, and Baylor College of Medicine. And hello, Dr. Cisco. It's indeed an honor to have you with us today. Well, hello, Roy. It's an honor to be with you. Well, if we could, I'd like to break down our discussion into two parts, innovation as individuals and then leadership for innovation in our businesses and enterprises. And, you know, all of us need to innovate or at least be completely open to new ideas and new methods in order to survive and prosper in today's fast-based world of commerce. The good news is you tell us that uh, in your promotion that innovation is an inside job, but obviously every one of us is not a Steve Jobs, uh, Mark Zuckerberg, or Bill Gates. As an average Joe or Jane, are we capable of generating imaginative, out-of-the-box new ideas if we commit our minds to it? Actually, I think, uh, you know, the funny thing is, uh, I think everyone, I mean, you think about your your day, your average day, and you probably have 20, 30, 50 new ideas. I don't care how old you are because, you know, in your introduction you talked about a young person who's tech savvy, and and, uh, the reality is that there was a... uh, uh, report produced by a think tank, um, and I wish I could recall the name of it right now, but uh, if if anybody really needs it, I'm sure that they can find a way to reach me. Um, Anyways, this this, uh, report was basically who are the innovators, and it turns out that the innovator, as defined by them, which, as I recall, was a pretty good definition, was someone that was about 45 years old. (laughs) That's good for us old-timers. And that's the average age. Yeah. you know, I think uh, what a lot of people miss in innovation is they they, t- they tend to think of it as technology. Yeah, that's and, true. And and what I what I like to tell people is I think that so much innovation happens in technology because the risk is so much lower in technology. Yeah, that's true. And so, so you think about uh, I want to develop an app for the smartphone. Yeah. What's it going to take me to develop that app? It's going to take me oh I don't know, hundred hours, maybe a thousand yeah. hours. Yeah. And if it doesn't sell, what do I lose? I lose, you know, a couple of months worth of work. Yeah. <laughs> now, you know, really big innovations like say the the Elon Musk and his SpaceX where he's yeah. <laughs> creating rockets, those are those are huge innovations. So so I think we we really are under this misconception that technology is what innovation is. Technology enables innovation. Yeah. But uh, technology in and of itself, uh, is, is, or innovation, isn't necessarily a Silicon Valley young yeah. person technology event. It's more, it's there's just sheer numbers. There's it's just so, so many more the, the innovation in technology really is just a tool for all of us to use to uh, come up with big ideas. It makes it so much easier to uh, pursue that if you've got the technology, but that doesn't mean it needs to uh, knock out your idea. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, what is, that's what, what, is uh, yeah. what is personal creativity, and how does personal creativity work? And what are some of the common well, barriers? Well, uh, from, from the perspective of so uh, personal creativity, I think is uh, also a bit of a misnomer. Um, I, I believe that we're all creative. Yeah. Um, some of us, of course, a little bit more, but I uh, but I also believe that what happens over time is. People tell you why your ideas don't work over and over and over again. <laughs> they sure do. I will tell you, I'm going to confess right now, that uh, being someone who travels and 
speaks all over the world on innovation. Yeah. People are kind of surprised because I'm 57 years old. Oh, wow. Um, but I've started a number of companies. Uh, I've, I sold a dot-com. So I created and sold a dot-com in my late 30s in Silicon Valley. Uh, but it, it, it's a lot of it's an attitude of, well, you know, I, I, I like to tell people, uh, you know, if you've got a great idea and you go talk to 10 of your friends and eight of them tell you how, how it'll never work, then it's probably a good idea. <laughs> That's, not true. That's so true. But you have to be a, a bit stubborn and a bit yeah. diligent. Uh, a lot of great inventors and innovators do so well into their old age. Yeah. Well, let's so let's say I make a commitment to myself to generate innovative new ideas. How best can the average person, especially those at middle age, well, I guess you already debunked the fact we have to be young, but how do we open our minds to brainstorming? Is it possible to overcome that little voice inside telling us we're not creative and uh, those all those other people are telling us our ideas aren't good. How do we how do we overcome that? Well, I think uh, I, I think part of it is not uh, not writing yourself off. It doesn't have oh. to be like we talked about a technology. Um, yeah. I recently invented something, and uh, it was had nothing. It, it was it was so simple. Um, yeah. <clears throat> here we're in the part of the country I live, we have uh, our air conditioners in the attic, and mine kept. It drains into out of the house, and so you have to go up in the attic once a month and pour bleach into a PVC pipe to keep that oh. thing from from clogging up with, with gooey stuff. Yeah. So I put an inline PVC thing, and I drop a pool chlorine tablet in it hmm. about once every three or four months, and the yeah. line never clogs. Hmm. Simplest innovation in the world. Cost all of about a dollar twenty-five to manufacture. Yeah. Now, if I wanted to be seen as an innovator. I'd actually go out in the market and I'd create this thing as a product and start selling it to people in Home Depot. Of course, yeah. I'd make it I'd make it pretty and put a fancy name on it and all that kind of stuff. It wouldn't just be PVC pipe. But this is the kind of things that I'm sure that most people have those kind of ideas every day. And yeah. they may even fix something up around their house, and then it never gets out into the world. Yeah. And that's where the shame is: is you know people come up with these things, but they either yeah. don't really know how. Yeah. They don't know how to get money for it. They don't know how to market it. That they're type afraid of thing. somebody will laugh at them you know, or debunk it. Exactly. Exactly. And so um, I think, you know, just accepting the fact that, you know, I am a 70-year-old, 80-year-old person, and I have a great idea doesn't mean that it's not innovative. No. That's it's still innovative. Well, speaking for myself, it seems the hardest time to generate an imaginative new idea is when I set my mind to doing so. How can you <laughs> and I relax our minds and encourage the uh, free flow of ideas so that some brilliant original thoughts sneak into our consciousness? It seems like when you try the hardest, you can't come up with anything, at least for my case. You know, that is an that is actually an excellent uh, question, and I don't necessarily know the answer, but you're you're absolutely right. Um, sometimes it's just a matter of just uh, not trying. Um, you know, you're out. You know, in in my personal case, I write, I speak, I, I run the association, I teach classes, yeah. all of all of which are things that, uh, you know, in my opinion, are things that never get done. Yeah. So. What I like to do is on a Saturday, I just decide I don't write any books, I don't give any lectures, I try not to travel, and I just work around the house. Oh. And this is when I came up with the thing to 
keep my drains clear yeah. for my air conditioning unit. So I do something that I can complete where I can say, ah, that bush has been trimmed. And a lot of times in the process, these ideas come up because so I take true. myself out of the process of forcing myself to learn it. Yeah, that, that's or, so true. That, uh, well, you know, it, uh, it's generally accepted that folks innovate more effectively as a team, that the whole is more than the sum of the parts. Let's say a group of four or five individuals come together. Maybe they're appointed as a project team, or maybe informally they come together because they're facing a common issue or challenge. What's the best way to kick off a collective brainstorming session? And should team members select a formal leader? And what responsibilities should that leader have? Well, there's different opinions on that. Um, <clears throat> what, uh, what IDEO likes to say is that you need to have no leader, but you do need to have an adult in the room. <laughs> that's a good point. And, and that adult in the room is the one that's responsible for bringing people back to reality when they start yeah. brainstorming. Personally, yeah. when I get a group together, I like to find a whiteboard and oh. co colored pens and then just start drawing pictures and, and coming up with all sorts of ideas, you know, with yeah. certain rules that are um, written or unwritten that, you know, you don't say that's a stupid idea and, oh, yeah. and you know, you do it. But, but you do definitely need to have probably not so much leaders, but at least an adult in the room who can say, okay, you guys have gone off this crazy town. Yeah. Now it's time to come back to reality. Yeah, that's uh, that's so true. Well, so many of us come up with a great idea for a new product, a significant enhancement to a product, maybe a better way of doing things, but our ideas die in the vine because we're afraid to sh share our idea with others or to bring the concept to fruition. And perhaps we're afraid others will scoff at us or we don't want to take a financial risk. In your experience, what characteristics define those entrepreneurs who go beyond having a good idea to actually bringing the innovation to fruition? Are there common elements to those kind of people? That, uh... Yeah, you know, um, and this, this ties a little bit to your last question. Um, what I've noticed in the world, because uh, I've been around long enough, um, now is that there really is this this sharing kind of mentality, especially with young people, yeah. where they come up with an idea, they're not afraid to share it, they're not afraid to pull a bunch of people together and refine the idea, et cetera, et cetera. Um, I, I uh, was at a company in Toronto last week, and what was fascinating to me was they had about 2,000 people working worldwide for this company, wow. almost full-time, but they only had 12 employees. The rest <laughs> of the people were feeding ideas into the company <laughs> voluntarily in the hopes of somehow getting a paid position at this, <laughs> at this company. So the, the idea of sharing uh, ideas and, and stuff is, is becoming much more of a community event now than it's ever been in the past. In the past, we were always afraid someone was going to steal our idea. Yeah. Now the attitude is more someone will enhance the idea or make it better or help it go to the next level. Well, that's certainly a positive development if it's true. Well, most of all of us would like to be more creative and open to new ideas. Can you offer any suggestions for developing our innovation skills and cultivating that innovation mindset? You know, how, how do we go about doing that? Well, I think, uh, you know, um, probably the most important thing is to start to develop, and, and you, you hear a lot of this, people talk about this, but not many people really understand what it means, is becoming a lifelong learner. Um, yeah. The people who I see innovating, I have friends who are well into their 90s, yeah. 
And they still are reading books, learning new things, learning the computer, um, trying you know new technologies around their house. Uh, and and these, these, this this adoption of innovation begets a creative mindset. And it um, keeps you young too. It's, it's you know if you have well, it does new and, to and learn and something new to it, discover it. Well, it does, and as an example, you know, a personal example was we have these these light bulbs that change colors now. These internet connected yeah. light bulbs. Yeah. Um, last time there was a Super Bowl, we had a Super Bowl heart party here, and I said, you know, Ooh. I'm going to figure out how to turn these lights the color. I'm going to make them flash the color of the team that scores, and then stay <laughs> on the color of the team that's in the lead. Oh, so I I had to go out and write a program. Huh. And you know, it wasn't uh, it wasn't anything I knew how to do until I said, "Well, I have this problem, not really a problem, and I want to come up with a solution." I went out and learned how to do it. Oh, that's great! So you know, and and these are ideas many times that you can you can give to someone else. I actually uh, I actually gave away another thing I did was that I had some new sod in my yard, and I also have an internet connected sprinkler controller oh and you know when you have new sod in your yard you have to water it like for a minute every couple hours you know you got to keep it moist for a couple of weeks yeah i went out of town my family killed the grass because my (laughs) teenage boys don't know how to turn on the sprinkler apparently (laughs) so i came home and i actually wrote a program for the sprinkler Hmm. there's a program called ifttt if this then that it'll turn on things and it'll make the internet do things oh. for you automatically i wrote a program to turn on my sprinkler for two minutes every hour oh. 24 hours a day hmm. until you tell it to stop and i had my thought is beautiful now oh. and i put it out on the internet for free and like 200 people downloaded it hmm. within a day so <laughs> You know, it's it's this kind of stuff that uh, that that helps you start thinking about new new solutions to problems. Well, let's turn to innovative leadership for our business or enterprise. What does a creative leader look like? What traits and characteristics does a creative leader pass on to those that report to him or her? What what do you do to really lead creativity within your company? Well, you know, it's funny because uh, you know we we've got. Uh, not to be political in any way, but we've got uh, politicians and stuff that talk about innovation and they, yeah. they make a big deal out of it, and then nothing happens. Um, yeah. And what I've started to notice is when you look at people like Steve Jobs and Elon Musk and some of these people who are modern-day innovators, even some of our, our old innovators, yeah. these are all pretty cool cats, Yeah, if you know what I mean. Yeah. You know, they might be paddling like heck underwater, like a duck, you know, the duck joke, but they're all pretty cool people. You know, they go, they do their job, they support their people, they create an environment where people can be successful. And, um, you know, it's they don't just run around talking about it and waving their arms. They just <laughs> buckle down and do it. Yeah, and, you know, yeah, as I study more of these innovation leaders, you see more and more of this, that that they're just they're, they just do it. Now, you also have these innovation leaders who fail, like the guy at Uber, yeah. who, you know, got himself in trouble. Um, but one could argue, also argue that, well, you know, he was a failure. Um, he, he had his one thing, and he didn't really know how to manage these people. But, uh, you know, over the long term, the people who are winners over and over again, Jeff Bezos, 
he's just uh, he's just as cool as they get. <laughs> and he's done pretty well on Amazon. <laughs> he's done okay. <laughs> well, let's say you're a leader in a, tradition, in a traditional organization who wants and needs to spur innovation. How would you alter the organization and compensation structure? Say you're on a typical uh, pyramid-type organization. What would you do to alter that and encourage to reward risk and taking of new ideas? And if you flatten the pyramid, how do you retain and motivate those middle managers whose leadership positions are to eliminate are eliminated? What's the best way to compensate employees for generating new ideas, even if some of them are never implemented? Well, I, uh, you know, I think that um, um, one of the fatal flaws that organizations have when it comes to innovation is that they they ask for ideas. Let's say they put up an idea box. Idea box has been around for I don't know hundreds of years, maybe. I don't know how long they've been around. But then they take an idea out of the box and they may say, "Thank you very much. Here's a hundred dollar reward for having this great idea." But they then separate the person from the idea. Um, what, what a lot of management theory has shown us over time is people don't necessarily care that much about the money. They want yeah. to be a part of the success. They want to yeah. be a part of winning. And so keep me on the team. Let me develop my idea. Um, you know, my rewards can come later. And if I never get a monetary award, just saying that I was the person who, you know, invented this great new technology or something, for many people, that's all they really want. Yeah. They want their legacy. They want to have their name attached to something great. And the money is not the primary motivator. But I think most companies just automatically assume that all people want is money. Yeah. And I think that's an incorrect assumption. Yeah, I once worked for a company in an obscure division of it and come up with a good idea and it would get cooked, uh, kicked upstairs to corporate staff. And I'd never hear anything more about it. And uh, it wasn't really very rewarding when I'd done all that work, and then it just uh, disappeared somewhere within the organization. Whether it got implemented eventually or not, I probably didn't even know. <laughs> well, and, and that's the thing is who's going to be the greatest champion of the new idea? It's going to be yeah. the person who conceived it. You know, it's, yes, cool. you know, it's the mother of the child that's going to make sure it grows up. Well, can you briefly run through the steps needed to execute an innovation strategy in a business or organization? I know you uh, laid some out in that book that that we talked about. Sure. Well, uh, basically, when we talk about, uh, uh, well, at the association, one of the things we're trying to do is we're trying to build a body of knowledge following the ISO ISO requirements for certifying bodies, which means we try to bring a lot of people together in working groups. We're very democratic, and people say, well, if you need to do innovation, you have to know A, B, C, and D. Not someone's methodology, but this tool, this approach, and it gets genericized. Um, What what the association has basically um, done to this point it said that we've got uh, 10 areas that you need need to know. And oh, it, it's kind of an ecosystem that goes around. You can see it on our website if you, if you want to yeah. ever want to take a look at it. But uh, basically that uh, it starts with taking a real hard look at your organization. Do you yeah. have the right incentives for people? Do you have the right culture? Do you have a strategic plan that actually yeah. supports um, – uh, an innovation effort. 
So we, we call that basically the architecture of the organization. We yeah. look at that first. And then we look at design thinking and how do you create products that, that where you really think about what it's supposed to do and who it's supposed to do it for. Yeah, that's we look what at, so many uh, people seem to ignore. They come up with some bright idea, but they don't ask who would really want this. <laughs> well, <laughs> I, 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 I'm, I guil- I'm guilty of that myself. <laughs> um, the uh, another area we look at is you know what are the methods for generating ideas and there's yeah. a bunch of tried and true methods of course since we call this innovation science we want people to actually be able to um, not just say we we came up with a great idea and we don't know how and we could we could never come up with a second great idea we want it to be more or less repeatable the processes so yeah. we so that that uh, working group is is coming up with all sorts of different ideas uh, for how to generate ideas. Um, how to identify opportunities, how to create value, because, you know, uh, an innovation that doesn't actually create value is it's still an innovation, but it's not necessarily uh, good, good for your organization. Um, and value, of course, doesn't have to just be money. It can be, no. you know, feeding people or stopping droughts or who knows. Um, we look at concepts of innovation, uh, how the brain works, that type of stuff, so you understand how that works. How do you measure it? Uh, how do you know if you're being successful? How do you know who's innovative? How do you know that they're innovative? How do you, uh, you know, put a put a number on that innovation department that you created? Yeah. Uh, deployment, which is how do we actually then get that idea to market? Yeah. Uh, and then we have a huge section called methodologies and tools, which has uh, the, the just the group on that produced three 800-page books. Wow. Just on tools and methods. Um, how do you develop your organization and what business essentials do you need to know? You know, writing a business plan. If you're an engineer and you have a great idea, but you don't know how to raise money, write a yeah. business plan, write a marketing plan, et cetera, then it's just a great idea. That's so why you need try a team to cover- really to implement most ideas like that because you got to have the financial specialists and the marketing specialists and, uh, to go with the product innovators. Absolutely. And, and, you know, there's a lot of people that will help you out if you've got a great idea. It's, well, I mean, take this association that we do. It's been, we're four and a half years old, and we've got volunteers all over the world. Yeah. Well, let's talk a little bit more about your uh, International Association of Innovation Professionals, or IAOIP, I guess you call it. Uh, What's the mission of your organization, and what products and services do you offer? I know you offer some certifications, for instance, that uh, members can obtain. Tell us a little about that. Well, you know, the the bottom line at the end of the day is we all want to make our little dent in the universe. Um, I've decided that... uh, what I'd like to do is someday I'd like for somebody to solve, I don't know, climate change, some yeah. big problem. Yeah. And and them go up on stage and say, you know, this all started because I got introduced to innovation through this organization because oh. I, you know, I didn't think I could create things. And so, um, you know, my dent in the universe is hopefully to introduce as many people as possible around the world to innovation concepts and help people start thinking their way out of their problems instead of, either taking handouts or um, doing the same old thing that doesn't work over and over again. Um, That, of course, is a really grand idea, and, you know, you always have to go out and create an organization, raise money, and that type of stuff. So uh, more immediately, um, I'd also – we'd also like to, uh, from uh, from the perspective of our – 
um, organization, we love to develop K through 12 programs so that we oh. can give away education to teachers and students on innovation and start kids on innovation early. But, you know, once again, that takes money. So what we do in the process is we've, uh, like I said, we're four and a half years old. We uh, are now actually closer to 1,500 members. And we are now, you had said 64 countries, but that was two or three weeks ago. Now we're in 72 countries. Wow. We're growing at, uh, well... Up until last month, we were growing at about 100 members a month, but we've already got 33 new members in the first five days of this month. Oh, that's great. And uh, these people are coming from all over the world. Uh, People don't uh, actually even have to pay to join. Um, I prefer they pay because then that gives us more money to do it. But the ISO requirement that I had mentioned we follow says that that we should be affordable to everyone. Uh, We have members in India. We have members all over Africa. Um, We have members who are quite honestly, you know, unable to pay. Uh, Professors in India make, you know, about uh, one-tenth of what a professor makes in the United States. And so for them to pay membership dues every year is a bit difficult. But they can uh, contribute other things. They can contribute their tools, their knowledge. They can be on working groups and help us build this out. Well, how can an so, uh, interested listener learn more? Where do they go to uh, find out all about your organization and, uh, you know, to join so, it or whatever they want to do? The site is, of course, www.iaoip.org. And that's uh, International Organization for the Advance or uh, International Association of Innovation Professionals. Yeah. Oh, and you have a um, bunch of uh, books and other resources on there also that people can uh, get a hold of. And like I said, you you do offer some uh, professional certifications that members can obtain if they take. I guess you have exams that they take. Or uh, we we do. And and how that was form formed. Um, was uh, about 10 years ago I started a journal, an academic journal on innovation. And over the years what had happened was, I mean, this was how I originally founded the association, was over the years I had executives from companies come to me and say, you know, I hired this person and they said they were an expert in innovation. And two years later I fire them, I pay their severance, and we're no better off at innovation. How can I hire someone better? Because Let's face it, right now, finally, universities are starting to give people degrees in innovation, yeah. actual diplomas. It's but about time. Five, even five years ago, they didn't. Yeah. So uh, what I finally said was, well, you know what? We can do something about this. We can create an international agreed-upon body of knowledge, and if someone passes the exam and you hire someone who has this certification, you do know that they know all the tools. Well, that's are they... Are they an innovator? Well, you know, no one can vouch for that. But you can say they know all the tools. And, and I liken it to a, a sports metaphor of saying, you know, if, you, if you're able to, to draft or, or acquire a franchise player for your sports team, what you then do is you start building your team, the rest of the team around that player. Yeah. So if you find this person that's just brilliant and has all the great ideas, well, then you have to start hiring our people who are certified and they can start putting the tools together and making this person, this organization, successful. Well, that's great. And uh, to conclude, my guest, Dr. Brett Trusco, has uh, today given us several doses of very good news. First of all, despite the recent failings of the President's Advisory Council, innovation is alive and well in America, and businesses large and small. And second, he assures us that innovation is an inside job. Mm-hmm. 
capability to create, innovate, and adapt to changing circumstances lies with each and every one of us, and it's our task in cooperation with others to bring it out and make change happen. And as business leaders and small business owners, you and I, at middle age especially, are capable of creating a culture of professional innovation in our businesses. And as we learn today, there are ample resources like Dr. Tresco's International Association of of Innovation Professionals to help get you started on recharging your business or career midstream. And uh, thank you so much, Dr. Uh, Brett Tresco, for your kind advice and best of success in your organization and in all your ventures. Thank you very much, Roy. And I highly recommend you go to um, his site. That's www.iaoip.org. Is that correct? And uh, check out that uh, all those resources. And uh, there's a world of opportunity that, that awaits you. And we all need to innovate to survive in these times. So thank you so much, uh, Dr. Tresco, for joining us here today. Thank you very much. Well, that was a most inspiring conversation with Dr. Brett Tresco, reminding us that innovation is indeed an inside job, and also that those of us at middle age are the most effective innovators. I bet you didn't know that, did you? One truth is certain in the 21st century, yesterday's or today's optimal solution won't necessarily meet tomorrow's challenges. We all know that. To paraphrase an old line from the academicians, in the new world order, the catchphrase for survival is innovate or perish. But to close out today's program, one word of warning, never abandon your business instincts. Despite its amazing potential, I trust that the lure of new technology will not override the rock-solid business instincts that brought you to today. Decades of collective business and industry-specific experience, both of you and your cohorts, is your ace in the hole. During the emerging era of technology-induced turmoil, the clear winners will be enterprise leaders like you with the business acumen to distinguish between fact and fiction. And here are a few examples. Fact. New communications technology has permanently altered the landscape of commerce. Fiction. All Internet-based or wireless communication initiatives are destined for resounding success. Fact. Classic business models and traditional hierarchical organization structures are less than optimal for today. We can all agree to that. Fiction, subordinates no longer respond to inspired leadership. For that reason, leaders no longer need take responsibility for setting overall direction and for establishing sound enterprise ground rules of operation. Fact, customers now have the option of 24-7 commerce without the need for direct human intervention. Fiction, customers no longer desire and demand personal attention or care about rapid and dependable uh, problem resolution from businesses that honor their patronage and demonstrate genuine interest in cementing a long-term relationship that really want to get to know you and your needs as a customer. Fact, things can never be the way they were before, 
fiction, veteran onboard employees are no longer necessary and cannot cannot adapt to the post-industrial age, no one over age 40 will prosper in the burgeoning electronic era. What BS. You know, today's technology has opened up previously undreamed of possibilities, possibilities to service customer demands and to enable frontline employees of all ages and levels of experience the potential for creative business partnerships and technological shortcuts present enterprises of all sizes, including yours, with myriad opportunities to catch up rapidly and compete on a level playing field. And should you find your business, governmental unit, or volunteer organization falling behind, today is not too soon to shake off, uh, shake off that collective lethargy and to begin your quest to create meaningful economic value and has uh, been proven as time and again in the 21st century fools will be fools but winners will emerge and by applying the proper blend of discernment and creativity experience and experimentation expertise and imagination your leadership team can establish your enterprise as a consistent winner and it's up to you to instill a disruptive yet disciplined culture of perpetual innovation within your organization. You know, my second book is all about recreating and re-energizing your business with suggestions from A to Z, businesses large or small, or for your nonprofit enterprise. The book is titled Wake Up, Captain and Crew, Restart Your Engines by Roy C. Richards. That's me. In the book, I have an entire chapter on perpetual innovation, how to instill it as an enterprise charter and to inspire each and every participant to think outside the box and to be innovative. And as a leader, this is something you simply must do to survive and prosper in 2017. You can preview and purchase my books on Amazon.com, BarnesandNoble.com, or on our website, MiddleAgeRenewal.com. And that's our program for today. Remember, innovation starts from the inside. Now let's all go out and initiate some positive changes, both in our personal lives and in our businesses. Goodbye for now from Middle Age Can Be Your Best Age. You've been listening to Middle Age Can Be Your Best Age, hosted by Roy Richards, an expert on midlife renewal and author of both A Midlife Challenge, Wake Up, and Wake Up, Captain and Crew, Restart Your Engines. You can learn more about Roy and his Middle Age Renewal Training System by visiting his website, middleagerenewal.com. 